<coughs> Podcast Network Asia. This episode may include topics, references, or discussions around sexual assault, domestic violence, stalking, physical violence, or subject matters that may be disturbing to some of our listeners. We do acknowledge that this content may be difficult. We also encourage you to care for your safety and well-being. Shocking, sad, revealing, and deeply researched. PH Murder Stories podcast covers the true account of infamous killings and true crime stories from the Philippines. There's no such thing as questions, just hidden answers. Stay tuned as we revisit the inconceivable crimes that exist. Some listeners may find the following content of PH Murder Stories highly disturbing due to its graphic nature. PH Murder Stories does not condone nor promote violence of all sorts. Viewer discretion is advised. Giovanni Maria Versace, also known as Gianni Versace, was a legendary stylist and designer that took the fashion world by storm. A pioneer of his time, Gianni Versace's role in fashion was partially credited for defining the 90s supermodel. Some of his most famous clients being Naomi Campbell, Cindy Crawford, Christy Turlington, and the late Princess Diana. With that being said, it came as no surprise when people all over the world mourned his tragic and untimely death at the hands of a troubled serial killer who ended up being one of the FBI's top most wanted criminals after killing five people in three months. Andrew Cunanan, as described by schoolmates at the prominent Bishop School in La Jolla, San Diego, California, was a very selfish person that always wanted to be ahead of others. Whether by spreading lies to boost his ego or by proving a point through obnoxious acts, as indicated beneath Andrew's high school yearbook, he was touted as the person who was most likely to be remembered, which later on became a reality, but for despicable reasons, especially for killing one of the most influential fashion icons. You are listening to the PH Murder Stories podcast. And this is our first episode for Season 3. But before we proceed, we would like to express our gratitude to all our listeners and fans across all streaming platforms and to our producers from Podcast Network Asia and Pod Machine for making PH Murder Stories what it is today. Our team will forever be grateful to you. It was a cold-blooded crime spree that captivated the country. Murder in Miami. A legendary fashion designer, an icon of style and glamour, known and adored around the world. Gianni Versace was murdered in broad daylight this morning. And the charming party boy turned serial killer who executed him in broad daylight. Andrew Cunanan makes the top 10 FBI list. Versace was in love with life, and he wanted to make the world more beautiful. Andrew Cunanan was just the opposite. Versace had everything that Cunanan wanted. Power, fabulous wealth, and admiration. And the world owed him 
The world would know two things after the murder of Gianni Versace. They would know who Versace was, and two, they would know his killer was Andrew Cunanan. That's what Andrew wanted. Look at me, I can get to anyone. On July 15, 1997, Gianni Versace, one of the world's most respected and admired fashion icons, was on his usual early morning routine, getting coffee and magazines at his preferred cafe, three blocks away from his posh mansion in Ocean Drive, Miami Beach, Florida. Afterward, Gianni Versace went back home, and as soon as he reached the marble front steps of his mansion, a dark-haired man wearing knee-length shorts, a gray tank top, a baseball cap, and a backpack came from behind and shot him twice. The police identified the perpetrator to be Andrew Philip Conanan. Prior to killing Gianni Versace, Conanan was already on the FBI's top most wanted list for the murders of four other victims in the past three months. As soon as news reports came out on the shocking murder of Gianni Versace, it jolted the entire world. The world-renowned fashion icon's death set off a nationwide manhunt for Conanan. Andrew Philip Conanan was born in National City, California. His parents were Filipino-American Modesto Pete Conanan and Italian-American Mary Ann Conanan. Pete served as a chief petty officer in the United States Navy, particularly in the Vietnam War. Afterward, he went on to become a stockbroker. On the other hand, Mary Ann was known to be a very religious person. Andrew Cunanan was the youngest of four siblings and reportedly had an IQ of 147, deemed higher than 99.9% of the population during that time. Because of this, Andrew's parents had high hopes for him and enrolled him at the prominent bishop school in La Jolla, San Diego, which he attended from 1981 to 1987, a place where he got most of his formative influence from. Pete and Mary Ann Conanan struggled to pay the private school's tuition, mortgaging their home so their youngest child could attend. Even so, Andrew Conanan was still given preferential treatment among his siblings. He was given his own car and was the only one of his siblings enrolled in an elite private school. Unfortunately, Andrew Conanan was in denial of his family's current living situation, despite being the most prioritized member of the Conanan family, thus enabling him to cover it up with falsehoods that cultivated his tendency to become a diabolical liar. He hid his true background from his classmates and hinted that he came from privilege, even royalty. Aside from the lies he spewed around in school about the origins of his identity, he made it no secret of being identified as a gay person. He built a reputation of himself to be an outrageous, carefree persona of a rich bad boy, or so he wanted everyone to believe. After graduating high school, Andrew Conanan enrolled at the University of California, San Diego, but quickly dropped out, befriending rich older men to pay for his rent, clothes, club hopping, and travel expenses, 
It was also reported that he became addicted to sadomasochistic pornography and illegal drugs such as cocaine and methamphetamine. Things would turn for the worse for Andrew as his mother, Mary Ann, accused his father, Pete, of misappropriating $106,000 from his stock brokerage business, which made Pete return home to the Philippines, seemingly to evade potential lawsuits that might be charged against him. Pete's evasion affected his family's financial situation, forcing his wife and children to live off his Navy pension for a time. Shortly after, Andrew Kunanan and his mother had a violent incident. Being a deeply religious person, Mary Ann did not approve of her son's sexual orientation, which led Andrew to assault his mother physically by throwing her against the wall that dislocated her shoulder. According to reports, Andrew's violent behavior indicates that he suffered from antisocial personality disorder characterized by a lack of remorse and empathy. Andrew Conanan's life is going on a downward spiral. He dropped out of college and decided to live in the Castro District of San Francisco, known as the center of gay culture in the United States. For years, Andrew Conanan tried so hard to live the life he fantasized about throughout his childhood. Unfortunately for him, his sinister and pretentious way of living his life would eventually catch up to him. In 1995, Andrew Conanan met the love of his life, David Madsen, a successful architect from Minneapolis in a San Francisco bar. They briefly dated until 1996. According to reports, David Madsen broke up with Andrew Conanan as he sensed something was sketchy about the latter, probably Andrew Conanan's illegal drug habits. Calling all aspiring podcasters. This is your sign to start your own podcast because we have just the right tool for you. Before we started podcasting, we really thought that everything would be such a hassle, especially the editing. But we found the best and most convenient all-around podcast tool out there, Podmachine. Podmachine will take care of all your podcasting needs. From audio production, designs, and marketing growth, all you have to do is sit back, relax, and keep creating great content that sounds professional. It's time for you to start sounding like a pro with Podmachine today. Sign up and get a free episode trial. And once you're convinced of how good it can be and how it helped us, you can start for as low as only $49.99 for four episodes in a month. But wait, there's more. If you use our code PHMURDER, all caps, no spaces, you get one free episode credit upon subscribing. Just head on to podmachine.com and let them do the dirty work so you can do the fun stuff and sound like a pro. Andrew Conanan had a friend who was always there for him. Jeffrey Trail is a formal naval officer who worked as a district manager for a propane delivery company in Minneapolis. However, their relationship was strained when Andrew tried to entice Jeffrey to help him with his illegal drug dealing business. Jeffrey rejected Andrew's proposal and then moved to Minneapolis, seemingly to stay away from Andrew. As indicated by numerous reports, Andrew had also developed strong feelings for Jeffrey. At the same time, 
Some would say he was obsessed with the latter. Later, Andrew Conanon would have a short relationship with Norman Blackford, who is known to be a much younger and wealthy man. Eventually, Norman Blackford would end up rejecting Andrew Conanon as he figured that Andrew was only using him to pay for his lavish lifestyle. Andrew Conanon's gold digging and illegal drug habits are now proving to be a thorn in his desires in life. After several painful rejections from important people in his life, Andrew Conanon was left with no choice. With no one to turn to, he felt he had no other option but to take matters into his own hands. In April 1997, Andrew Conanon left the state of California to take care of some business. As recalled by a friend of his, Andrew bought a one-way ticket to Minneapolis to see both Jeffrey Trail and David Madsen, seemingly to plot and execute his revenge. Two people who knew him best were Jeffrey Trail and David Madsen. Jeffrey Trail was a graduate of the Naval Academy. He never had a romantic relationship with Jeffrey Trail, but they had become friends when Trail was part of the Navy stationed in San Diego. I think Jeffrey Trail was sort of a touchstone. I mean, he was sort of something to say, he was normalcy in Andrew Conanon's life. David Madsen was supposedly the love of his life. Good guy, good person, up-and-coming architect in the area. Madsen and Conanon were like complete opposites. He had a career path, and I think Conanon was kind of his walk on the wild side. David was Andrew's life. He said many, many times that he would give up everything to move out to Minneapolis for David. Did Madsen leave him? Madsen left him. He was devastated by it. And when Madsen broke up with him, it was just, he was depressed. As soon as Andrew Conanon arrived in Minneapolis, he first met with his former boyfriend, David Madsen. Both had dinner and drinks. Andrew then spent the next night alone at Jeffrey Trail's apartment. Jeffrey was out on a trip with his lover. The following night, Andrew went to David Madsen's apartment leaving a message for Jeffrey Trail to come over and catch up with him. Little did Jeffrey know he was coming in on a trap set up by a vengeful Andrew Conanon. When David Madsen failed to turn up for work on April 29, 1997, police went to look for him at his apartment. That's when they discovered Andrew Conanon's first victim. Authorities discovered Jeffrey Trail's body wrapped in a carpet in David Manson's apartment. Jeffrey was beaten to death with a claw hammer. Autopsy reports indicate that he was hit with a murder weapon more than 25 times. Investigators knew immediately that Andrew Conanon was behind the brutal slaying as they saw a duffel bag placed near Jeffrey's body with his name on it. On the other hand, the authorities also discovered a phone message left on Jeffrey Trail's answering machine with Andrew asking Jeffrey to come and see him at David's apartment. Initially, the police speculated that David Madsen was an accomplice to Jeffrey's murder. But David's body was found six days later on the shore of East Rush Lake, one hour north of Minneapolis.
Andrew Conanan cold-bloodedly shot his ex-boyfriend, the person he once claimed the love of his life in the back and the head several times. The murder weapon in the killing of David Madsen was Jeffrey Trail's 40 caliber handgun, which Andrew Conanan probably stole from his apartment on his second night in Minneapolis. Aside from stealing Jeffrey's handgun, Andrew Conanan also stole David Madsen's red Jeep Cherokee as he headed towards his next victim. Meanwhile, authorities theorized that Andrew Conanan forced his ex-boyfriend to watch him gruesomely kill Jeffrey Trail, something an evil person like Andrew would be delighted of. Known for being smart and clever, investigators find it strange that Andrew Conanan would leave valuable pieces of evidence that automatically implicate him in the killings. It made the authorities think that Andrew Conanan was deliberately doing this to let the whole world know what he's done. Now, more dangerous than ever, Andrew Conanan's upcoming victims did not have any connection with him or at least what their families told the authorities. Lee Miglin, a wealthy 72-year-old real estate developer from Chicago, Illinois, was found by his wife in their home garage in the gruesomest way as she could imagine. With his throat slit, his face covered with masking tape, and apparent signs of torture. Authorities promptly figured out that it was Andrew Conanon as they saw David Madsen's stolen red Jeep Cherokee parked nearby Lee Miglin's residence. In addition, Andrew stole Lee Miglin's green 1994 Lexus and went to another state to kill his fourth victim. Andrew Conanon, at this point, had already lost his humanity. Chicago police officers discovered that after gruesomely killing Lee Miglin, Conanon went into the kitchen and made himself a ham sandwich. Ridiculous as it may seem, it is frightening to come across a person that has an appetite to eat after doing such despicable and horrific things. Unfortunately, this is not yet the end of Andrew Conanon's rampage. With the gruesome murder of a well-known real estate mogul from Chicago, the rest of the United States slowly began noticing Andrew Conanan's killing spree. Meanwhile, the 1994 green Lexus that Andrew stole from Lee Miglin was equipped with a car phone. Authorities monitored its records when active and got a glimpse of Andrew's whereabouts. Unfortunately, Andrew, who was in Penceville Township, New Jersey during this time, might have discovered that the authorities were onto his current location. A crucial piece of valuable information that he seemed to have learned over the news. He ripped off the car phone from the stolen Lexus, but he also knew he needed a new getaway vehicle, leading him to a cemetery parking lot where he shot and killed his fourth victim, William Reese, a cemetery caretaker. The weapon used to kill William Reese was the same handgun Andrew Hunanan used to kill David Madsen. Unlike how Andrew Hunanan killed Lee Midland, it seemed that the only possible reason he killed William Reese was to steal his 1995 red Chevrolet pickup truck. Nonetheless, both families of Miglin and William Reese claim that they do not know Andrew Conanan. On June 12, 1997, Andrew Conanan was listed on the FBI 10 Most Wanted Fugitives list. For two months, Andrew Conanan was incognito. 
Aside from Andrew Conanon's identity, investigators only had William Reese's stolen 1995 red Chevrolet pickup truck as their viable lead on the case. However, on July 7, authorities got alerted when Andrew Conanon used his own name to pawn a stolen item at a pawn shop in Miami Beach, Florida. It is when investigators discovered that Andrew Conanon had been staying at the Normandy Plaza Hotel in Miami since May 12, rocking different hair and clothing styles to avoid being identified. He was reportedly spending his time in Miami doing drugs, eating fast food, stealing, and going to gay nightclubs where he may have sought out older men. The day before he committed the slaying, that would put him on par with other infamous serial killers, authorities uncovered that Andrew Conanon had run out of money and left the hotel without paying his bill. On July 15, around 8.45 a.m., Andrew Conanon shot and killed Gianni Versace on the front steps of his Miami Beach mansion. The world-renowned fashion icon was shot once in the back of his head and once in his left cheek with the same handgun that the perpetrator used to kill his second and fourth victim. Bystanders were able to call for help and rush Gianni Versace to Jackson Memorial Hospital. Unfortunately, he was declared dead at 9.21 a.m. Meanwhile, a witness tried to run after Andrew Hunanan but could not catch him. The police, on the other hand, found William Reese's stolen pickup truck in the parking garage near Gianni Versace's mansion confirming that the perpetrator was indeed Andrew Hunanan. News about Gianni Versace's shocking murder grew rapidly. Almost every media outlet from all over the world covered the sensational crime. It appears like Andrew Hunanan finally got the attention he had long desired since he developed his attention-seeking and egotistic personality in high school. Of course, he doesn't mind what people think of him. All that mattered to Andrew Conanon was that people were aware of his existence. Meanwhile, the authorities received massive criticisms for failing to inform the Miami gay community about Andrew Conanon. According to critics, Gianni Versace's death would have been prevented if the police had done their due diligence in advising the gay community about a serial killer on the loose. Eventually, the authorities, pressured by the media frenzy following Gianni Versace's death, would heed the calls of their critics and exhaust all efforts to end Andrew Conanon's wrath. Less than two weeks later, Andrew Conanon's wrath would finally conclude after the authorities received a huge break when a witness reported a sighting of Andrew Conanan at a boathouse 40 blocks away from where Gianni Versace was killed. According to the witness, who was also the caretaker of the boathouse, he got alarmed when he saw that the locks were unlatched and the drapes were drawn. As he looked inside the boathouse, he saw two sandals and a sofa set up as a bed. Then he heard a gunshot, seemingly coming from the master bedroom upstairs. Afterward, the witness ran outside and called his son, who promptly dialed 911. A few minutes later, the authorities arrived, followed by a battalion of helicopters, boats, and dogs. Without having a visual of Andrew Hunanan and what he was doing upstairs, the police patiently waited and assessed the situation, 
About four hours later, police fired eight rounds of tear gas into the boathouse. They tried communicating with Andrew Conanan by telling him to come out, but they didn't get a response. When authorities entered the premises, they found Andrew Conanan dead from a self-inflicted gunshot in the master bedroom. According to reports, Andrew Conanan was found only wearing his boxer shorts, lying in a pool of his own blood. He had shot himself through his mouth using the handgun he used to kill David Madsen, William Reese, and Gianni Versace. Meanwhile, the police did not find any suicide note written by Conanan, which led speculators to believe that he impulsively decided to kill himself as the authorities were cornering him to avoid incarceration. All across the nation, our citizens can stand down and breathe a sigh of relief. The reign of terror brought upon us by Andrew Cunanan is over. A day before Andrew Cunanan committed suicide, Gianni Versace's funeral was held at Duomo di Milano, a 14th-century cathedral in Italy, considered as one of the world's most renowned and largest churches. Before the funeral, Gianni Versace's siblings, Donatella and Santo, flew from Italy to the United States to claim their brother's body and return to their home country. Considering Gianni Versace's stature, it is no surprise that more than 2,000 people went to his memorial service, including various celebrities such as his favorite model, Naomi Campbell, and his most prominent client, the late Princess Diana, who tragically died in a car accident a month after Gianni Versace's shocking murder. Meanwhile, Elton John and Sting, Gianni Versace's closest celebrity friends, closed the service with an emotional rendition of The Lord is My Shepherd, a song chosen by Versace's team. As the song concluded, the sounds of weeping echo throughout the church. Gianni Versace's shocking murder is one of the most sensationalized cases in the world. There have been numerous documentaries and TV adaptations of this case, presenting all possible reasons why Andrew Conanen killed Gianni Versace. The first reason that came from speculations was Andrew Conanen was seeking revenge on the gay community for contracting HIV. However, based on the autopsy reports on his body, Andrew Conanen didn't have HIV. In addition, Lee Miglin and William Reese, Andrew Conanan's third and fourth victims, were married to a woman. Based on our team's research, several reports from various sources indicate the occasions where Andrew Conanan boasted to his friends about his connection with Gianni Versace in the late 80s and early 90s. But none of the reports seem to have substantial evidence supporting Andrew's claims. After all, Andrew Conanan was already a proven diabolical liar way back from his high school days. For all we know, he might have already claimed to a lot of people that he had a connection with every influential gay man across the globe. Nonetheless, Gianni Versace's family and close friends have already conveyed that they are unaware of Andrew Conanan. Thus, we conclude that Andrew Conanan killed Gianni Versace to make a statement out of his personal troubles.
Thank you for listening to PH Murder Stories. If you like this episode, give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also support our show on Patreon. Any amount you donate would benefit our team to keep doing what we love, which is to provide more true crime episodes for our listeners. Link in the description. For further updates from our show, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at PH Murder Stories. And subscribe to our YouTube channel at PH Murder Stories. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.